Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 87 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and on this beautiful, sunny Saturday morning, I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law. Ryan, how we doing? I'm doing great. Um, we just found this awesome song that you don't have pulled up, but it's by Steelix, Lay It Down, uh, New Funk, and uh, it's amazing. We were jamming out for like 30 minutes until you yelled at me that we have to actually record this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we so. have to go live at some point, Ryan. Uh, yeah, it kind of sounded like a mix or blending of Bruno Mars and Michael Jackson. And a little bit of Chris Brown. Yeah. Yeah, and the vibra- vibrato. Yeah, it was kind of so, good. Want to turn off those Discord yeah, I, notifications? Yeah, I turned it on to like Blair Music uh, aggravatively. That's okay. You, so We have a packed episode this week. We have to, of course, talk about... Wait, 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 how's your week? I know. I'm going down the agenda here. Yeah. Just stay tuned. Dude, I want to know how you are, Buckle up. (laughs) Be patient. So yeah, we got to talk about our weeks as we typically do. Uh, I do want to update the folks about my Twitch streaming schedule, what the next week looks like, when I'm going to be going live and what I'll be playing. We, of course, have to talk more about Ghost of Tsushima following last week's release. And then what everyone's here for, our thoughts on the Xbox Game Showcase, which went live last Thursday. Yeah. So tons of stuff to get to. If you want to skip to a certain moment, we got those show notes in below. In the Hell below. yeah. Yeah. Show notes. <laughs> <laughs> They're also called timestamps. Hyperlinks. Something URLs. Like Dude, it's like I had two poison juices and coffee at the parents, so like I'm fucking ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. Why don't you tell me how your week's and been your going? Your dog's been licking my leg and now is high on the couch. <laughs> That's so. true. We gave him three and a half uh, herb treats. Yeah. So my week was, I mean, another week at home, my dog was barking a lot at like a random noises Thursday, Friday, so I was kind of on edge. Um, yeah, it makes you question a lot of things when like, I'm sure it's the very similar to like a baby crying all the time mm-hmm. and like less sleep and you're just like, I could shake this dog. Yeah. And be fine with it. But like, she's so happy. And so like, she just wants to be, make friends with the people outside. Yeah. Which doesn't make me feel like my fortress of an apartment is going to be watched. Like yeah. maybe I need a moat or something. But like, she's got a lot of energy. And like, the best thing I've found is I have to run her in the morning for like 30 minutes. So she's like out until the 12 o'clock run where it's like 90 degrees out nowadays. Yeah, it's brutal. Um so then I run her in the sun for another half an hour, and that usually puts her out until, like, 4 o'clock when I get off. Mm-hmm. And then I have to, like, dog toy, like, we just run around the apartment and then run her at 6. Like, <laughs> fuck, dude. And then by the time I'm ready to go to bed, she, like, sits on my side and then just wants to be loved. Yeah. So I give her love. Which is nice, I, Yeah, right? no, like, it, that's, makes it, 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 it makes it all worth it, for sure. Definitely more exercise. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good time. I, I played a lot of ghosts this week. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did I do? I learned how addicting spider solitaire was. Oh, I didn't know where that conversation was going until you finished that word. <laughs> yeah. I started heroin again and <laughs> great. Love it. Opioids. So like, um, you know, the people came to redo the wiring of my spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, 
on Thursday. So my internet was down. Everything was screwed up. So they were there for like two hours. I'm like, what do I do without the internet? Like, I feel like I'm in a third world. <laughs> so like, I was just sitting there. My, I couldn't do my work. Thank God. So I was just sitting there at my desk. And I pulled up like solitaire because I'm like, what do I have on my computer? Mm-hmm. I tried Minesweeper. No luck. But they preload like this ad addicted. Like, so there's ads in between every, every spider solitaire thing. I'm like, do you want me to pay you microtransactions to like play a game? Are you still getting the same ads like Sasquatch Soap on these ads? or what No, are- these are less like man aggressive ones. These are <laughs> like Candy Crush, except it's like wizards or something like that <laughs> yeah. and you're like why come on just let me play this like i'm not fuck i hate it when they preload ads like preload ads onto your desktop it's the future of games freaking man. kills me but like i i played i'm like level 15 i'm like just got promoted from like a recruit to an apprentice so soon I'll be like a grand master of spider solitaire. I played like two rounds of regular solitaire and I was just like, spiders, hate them, but I love their solitaire. Yeah. Like that's their one good export from their little spider communities. Probably. Yeah. That is probably the best thing they've come out with since. The that antique- are silk webs. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So like those are pretty much the two games I've been playing. I've been playing lots of tap Titans. I'm in a clan now. <laughs> <laughs> dude dude i get off my back bro okay that and like pokemon go because i have a pokestop right outside my apartment holy shit you're playing pokemon go again what year is it like 2016 yeah well like what the hell am i else am I, gonna do? <laughs> like, I guess um i don't do it on walks but like every five minutes you can refresh his pokestop mm-hmm. so i'm slowly gaining levels i went from oh it's rick's fault when he was here don't be pl- placing blame on people. Dude, I'll place all the blame. Okay. I'm not responsible for any of my actions. It's all Rick's fault. Okay. Killed a man. Rick's fault. He was in my mind. So You are like really dude, fucked Dude, I'm today. so like, I don't even know. And like, my parents have the dog. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I mean, the plan is to watch some Toy Story 2 uh, stream after this. Yeah, we got the APOC stream going. And then... I don't know. I'm gonna figure out life. Okay. But I I got um. I got your like present for Christmas. Oh yeah. So I'm like itching to give that to you, which we're gonna do on the hundredth stream. Or, yeah, we are. Or stream for the hundredth episode. Um. So we have to figure out what weeks we want to record so it lines up with Christmas. I mean, it's not the end all be all. If if it's like no, it week- is. It is like we'll we'll stop <laughs> stop this podcast and fuck everyone who like joined us and like. Yeah. Okay. It has to line up with Christmas or else it's not perfect. Like, how am I supposed to ask you to homecoming? <laughs> <laughs> like, it has to be zoo lights or nothing. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll cross that bridge on episode 100, I suppose. Yeah. On Christmas Day. Yeah. Be it there. will be like... Or be square. Screw you guys' families. Yeah. No presents. Just listen to us. Tune in. We are the gift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just you can play me like a PlayStation any day. <laughs> oh. Anyway, how's your week? Preferably less caffeinated. It's wonderful, actually. Uh, no, it's it's actually interesting. So I think last week I did talk about on the show that I'd be going back to work in the office because I've been home working from my kitchen table for the past however many months it's been at this point. So I went in Monday, went in Tuesday, and Wednesday as well. So I went in those three days, and it was. 
it was eerie, but it was refreshing, and I felt like I had like a renewed focus going. Was it kind in. Of like going downtown, was it kind of like the Last of Us? It like was going weird. to Seattle. Yeah, it was really strange being downtown. I, I, you really didn't see a whole lot of people. Like typically in the city that we live in, you see unfortunately homeless people lined along the streets. Yeah, and it's not invasive, but you do see people. Um, there's really none of that. Okay. Uh, very few people walking and commuting to and from their jobs because my company is one of very few in our city that's really sent people back to the to their uh, their buildings. Yeah. Everyone's pretty much working from home. Um, so that was strange. Being in the building itself was really weird just because and the places that are typically the most populated with people running around and getting coffee or whatever, there's hardly anyone. Um, and in my office, we have kind of white noise going on. Whether it's the air conditioning or like a white noise machine, I don't know what it is. Um, that going, you typically hear people doing the cube cubicle talk, everyone stopping by each other's desk, talking and whatever. Mm-hmm. There's just none of that. I mean, when I got up and started talking to someone, I felt like everyone in the office heard what I was saying. Yeah. So that was a little strange. I mean, like we converted our building into a Seraphite outpost. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's just a giant wolf like right in front of the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mural. We changed the logo of our, my company to just be a yeah. wolf. We have like these very unsturdy bridges to other buildings now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was fine. So I went again Monday through Wednesday. Thursday rolls around. Uh, I was streaming. Of course, the Xbox showcase was going on. So I just wanted to be able to work from home to have that sense of comfort and then Friday, I also worked from home, and then I got an email. Well, actually, I met my boss for coffee in the morning mm-hmm. because it was my, my mid-year performance review. So we talked through that. It went really, really well, and he was just talking about how, how did you think the year went, and I said, what a year it is to give yourself a self-evaluation because we've had to adapt to some crazy-ass things given the pandemic. Yeah. So I said, all things considered, I wasn't as efficient as I was this time last year. Um, I said, I, th- I feel like I've made some significant strides, but success, what does success look like for the, the next half of the year? It, it looks like me being more efficient, but having that renewed focus now being in the office, I feel like I can accomplish that. Well, not two hours later, he forwards me an email saying that we're sending everyone back home because we've seen increased cases <laughs> in our Columbus, fuck, in our, whatever, Columbus, Ohio office, and, and um, we have other locations in a neighboring state. Yeah, this is so much for your renewed focus and apparently our safety because you're <laughs> naming where we live. Everyone knows where we are. Um, so yeah, that was just kind of just a punch in the gut because I just felt like, oh my gosh, I can finally get out of the apartment a little bit, um, work in the office, but now it's just back to the kitchen table with Lauren, which Lauren and I don't have a problem being in the the apartment together for the past six months and not really leaving. We haven't really, you know, fought or argued much at all. Um, but it's just being on this kitchen table, these really uncomfortable chairs that are not conducive to sitting for eight to 10 hours a day yeah. and not having a second monitor because Lauren and I are sharing a, a second monitor. So it's going to be tough, but all things considered, I have a job, right? So yeah. how can I possibly be super uber frustrated when I haven't been let go? I haven't been furloughed. Lauren and I are going to be fine. It's just, it's just going to be tough to remain focused and efficient. So. Yeah, I don't see us going back until maybe, I don't even know if December, at least fall. It's going to be, we have a few more months. So this. we've said, the note that we got from leadership was that we were going to start doing a hybrid model in October. But it kind of goes back to when we didn't even know what the pandemic was back in February and March. We also committed to a hybrid model like in middle of March. We were saying, hey, 
we're gonna have an A B group. So A's are gonna be there Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. B's are gonna be there Tuesday, Thursday. And literally like four days into that, they were like, all right, effective immediately, everyone's going home because it progressed so quickly. And we're euthanizing like two thirds of you. <laughs> Basically. Oh, okay, cool. Um, Signed up for this. And so then I think it's going to be a similar thing just because of the resurgence in cases. We have over 4 million people that have been, um, have contracted the virus here in the United States. So I think the writing's on the wall that we're going to be working from home probably through next spring is my guess. Yeah. Um, but that begs the question because companies are hurting. I know mine certainly was in the first quarter. More furloughs, involuntary separations are certainly on the way for many people. And I just, my heart goes out to those people and I'm praying myself because it could be dark times ahead. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, my job's relatively safe um, because I have a, a high visibility desk and I do a decent job. Um, but like, as far as our plants go, like we had that three weeks of furlough and then like our suppliers are expecting all their people to come back on their lines. Mm -hmm. And they're like a bunch of them just left and got other jobs. So like all of our suppliers are hurting to keep people. And then like if we have one or two cases of COVID in the plants, yeah, so they can, quarantine like a group of 15 people so we're like i mean in manufacturing you're trying to keep your lines up because that's your revenue stream is every i almost said our commodity our any product that you send off the line is where you get the revenue mm -hmm. to keep the lights on so they're like hey any department regardless of if you're in the plant or not volunteer to get on the line yeah um, and do <clears throat> stuff and my dad was actually on the line two days this last week and he's like doing the same job like being 60 now he's like i'm so sore like it's i'm like dude get the 20 year olds in there like yeah no kidding like there's people who can recover a lot quicker because like the new i don't know if they're doing this for like training purposes but they're they're like you have to be in the plant twice i don't know if it's consecutive days but you have, i think it's two days it might be two days in a row mm -hmm. like that's a lot of if you're not used to that or your muscles are not adapted to that, that's a lot of, I mean, depending on your ergonomics, a lot of strain. Yeah. So until I'm voluntold, I'm not going to do it because I have a lot of shit to do. But like definitely weird times, dude. Weird times <laughs> really indeed. Weird but we don't want to we don't want to bore our listeners and continue to talk about COVID. You're here for happier things, yeah, right? Let's talk about Chinese economic policy and the dam that's about to burst and kill Hope you guys brought your textbooks. People. Hope you have your notebooks ready. Take some notes. But no, we are here to talk about also, video Also, I live in Columbus, Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> so just throwing that out there if you want to visit me. Just in case there was any, you know. Yeah, like there's a Hindu temple near me. Any question about that? Uh, no, so I, I did want to kind of update people on my Twitch streaming schedule. Uh, something also really awesome happened this week that I, I really didn't anticipate because I didn't think I checked enough boxes yet. But after my stream on Thursday night playing Workout of War, I became a Twitch affiliate. Yeah, so, congrats for that. Thank you. That was pretty sweet. I'm really, I just it's really just... Uh, a reflection of everyone's support here in the, the community. I know a lot of people on Discord just continuing to to share that I'm going live and just being there to support me and kind of cheer me on has just been incredibly humbling. So I just want to thank everyone for doing that. I could literally could not have done it without you guys. So I really appreciate the support. But going forward, 
I think I'm really committed to play like the two worst games to kick off my streaming journey, which was Donkey Kong Country. So if anyone was there on Tuesday, that was embarrassing. It was also hilarious. And if Blink's girlfriend, Sprite, is listening, tremendous shout out to her because she was giving me all the strats. She let me know that you can literally run in the game, which... I didn't know, so I was probably moving like, like a snail. level Twitch stream. Like, yeah. Dude, what are buttons? Like, what's a controller? You can jump in Donkey Kong Country? Do I have to turn on my computer to stream? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was bad. Get some help. Thank you, Sprite. I appreciate it if you're listening. Could not have gotten through the, well, pretty much most of that game uh, that I did if it wasn't for you. And, and Zugbar, by the way, too. Zugbar was giving me all the strats as well. But... Anyways, Donkey Kong Country was a tough game to start with, but we're making progress. We're hopefully going to finish it next Tuesday. And then God of War is just, not only is it an in- incredibly intense game with the combat that makes it difficult, and it's not really conducive to paying attention to chat, having a consistent dialogue, and playing the game, it's the story focus and the dialogue between Kratos, Atreus, Atreus uh, Brock, the dwarves, whoever it is, the dialogue's incredibly important, and I was yeah. missing most of it. Oh, yeah, I was getting frustrating watching you. Yeah. As constructive feedback. Because Appreciate I'm like, it. I love the fuck out of this story, and like it's all built around these conversations as you progress. And I'm like, you were talking about Microsoft on Thursday, and it was like, they're giving this backstory to the mom, and they're like, she got the axe. And I was like, come on, man, please. Yeah. <laughs> but not that Xbox isn't important, but like... God of War 4. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. And I think that's why I'm going to put that on the back burner for the very foreseeable future, maybe indefinitely. Um, the, what I was considering is downing the difficulty to just be story mode. Yeah. Uh, but even then, like I'm playing on the second hardest difficulty and I was just getting my ass handed to me. It's definitely a learning curve for the combat. Yeah. Um, it's it's worth learning because it gets very satisfying. But yeah, yeah I don't. that's probably not the best game. It's like one of your first to stream still learning the ropes still understanding when i need to shut up and just play the game and listen understanding that balance between chat playing and talking Mm -hmm. is something that's just a learning curve that i'm still um going through so what i'm going to do again is put that on the back burner and because of an announcement at the xbox game showcase fable is coming back yeah i figured i adore the fable series i have such a history behind those games and really personal anecdotes behind playing them particularly fable 2 and so what i'm gonna do is starting tomorrow i'm gonna start playing fable 2 again which i haven't played i literally played through the game beginning to end when it first came out back in i don't even know 2008 2009 i believe and then i never played it again so this will be reliving the game with very fresh eyes and it's also a game that really doesn't have a super in-your-face story. There's not an important dialogue that if you miss it, it's going to ruin your gaming experience of the game. So yeah. I think that'll just be really fun to kind of hype people up and get excited about Fable. I know you haven't played a Fable game. So I, th- I know a lot of people that are on the Discord haven't played a Fable game. So it'll just be fun to kind of showcase what that game looks like. Is it still fun today? And then more than anything, I would love to just talk talk through my personal story playing it. And why it was so important to me at that point in time. No, I definitely think that's a, a good change. Have you thought of what you're doing on Tuesdays after Donkey Kong? Yes. Cool. So what I have, uh, a couple, well, Pete Dorr, if you're not familiar with him, you should be. 
He also we mentioned on him Twitch. enough on this podcast. He was on episode nine, <laughs> yeah, opening Pandora's box. So go check that episode out. But um, he streams every Saturday on eBay gaming stream. So he he's the sole purpose of it is to find deals for his his listeners, the people that view his his Twitch channel. Yeah. And I think it was like a week and a half ago. I kind of just went on like a little eBay buying extravaganza oh no <laughs> yeah so lord knows there's like a whole pile of packages yeah i was gonna there. say like hey ryan i know we're like on vacation this week can you stop by and grab these six packages mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like oh okay yeah so what i'm gonna do after my stream oh shit there are <laughs> uh, yeah there are it's like a shit ton of packages over there um uh. tuesday after the stream or i'm still waiting on a few so if, if some of them arrive today then i might do it after tomorrow's fable stream okay um, but just a kind of a mystery unpackaging of a, an assortment of PS1, PS2, and Xbox 360 games. I think those are the primary consoles that I purchase games for, but um, we'll see. I think it should be fun. Again, just kind of celebrating becoming an affiliate, having some fun conversations, and having some chill tunes in the background to um, accompany us. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, um, during the unboxing. So that should be good times. Very but good. That's the plan. And then after Donkey Kong Country, just looking forward, what I plan to play. Um, I think for the foreseeable future, I'm going to stick with Fable 2, still on yeah. Sundays and Thursdays. Yeah. And then Tuesdays after DKC, probably just chill platformers okay. is, is what I'm going to stick with. Not Sonics or anything like that, just things that I'm familiar with. Yeah, so Fun maybe platformers. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, maybe even Super Mario World, since I think that's on the Switch online service for super nintendo why are you galaxy like i've i've never seen galaxy that would be fun one holy you shit said, have you never seen super mario galaxy no I, i've that's the one you rave about being amazing and i've never played it i've never seen gameplay and they're made two of them oh my gosh okay well you know what we might do i've actually never played super mario galaxy 2 which has yoshi arguably my favorite nintendo character ever yeah. so maybe we'll do like a blind playthrough of galaxy 2 What's going to be interesting, though, is if Nintendo comes out in like a month and says we're remastering Galaxy 1 and 2. But who cares? Yeah. I mean, hopefully they do Sunshine as well because that one's the best. It is. Uh, For the ones I've played, at least. Yeah, exactly. And then also, I mean, Galaxy 1 and 2, again, it's been years since I've played them, but I don't even think they need a remastering. Yeah. The orchestral... beautiful from the screenshots I've seen. Yeah, absolutely stunning. And the orchestral score throughout those games is... Some of my favorite Nintendo music. Uh, yeah. it, it always comes up in the the compilations that I listen to while I'm working, and it's just really beautiful stuff. I think the only thing I know about those games isn't there like a giant war against Toads at the beginning from like Bowser's like nuking the Toad Town. So let's look at Rusty's track record here with stories. So I don't even remember what <laughs> what happens un- in ukulele. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have no idea. So I don't remember what happens in the stories most of the time. Yeah. Think about a 3D platformer that came out 12 years ago. You but think I'm really going to remember? You remember beat for beat what happened in Poi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of course I do. Yeah. So, okay. That could be a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would love to watch that. Um, no, I think that's a good break from your like RPGs two days a week because... I mean, fuck, if you're doing um, Ghost as well, yeah. you need some break. It's a lot. Yeah. So oh, that's good. 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 Wow. That was a struggle of the a, caffeine started yeah, to wear off. That was a good. Well, this is rejuvenating poison okay. in my drinks. So. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's a good light. plan. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, 
especially just to finish Donkey Kong Country because that is just going to be... I'm such, so glad for it to be over. <laughs> no, it's going to be such a tremendous feat for me to beat that game because it's it's so well-beloved for people that grew up with the Super Nintendo, and I was just a few years past that generation. I was more of an N64 kid. Um, so kind of to check that off of my gaming bucket list will be really fun and certainly kind of preparing me for, for hopefully playing... Two and three, if those ever end up coming to the Switch Online service. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm sad I missed that stream. I was uh, heavily invested in something else. What were you heavily invested in, Ryan? Uh, Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> and how's that going? It's I'm like 20, 20 to 30 hours deep, and it's going well. It's going very well. I'm enjoying the crap out of it. Like, it's so beautiful. It is. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's cool seeing everyone's posts of their screenshots. I would post my screenshots, but I don't know how to get to my saved pictures on my PlayStation. So I can walk you through that. Okay, you start by you. turning the PlayStation on. Really? Mm-hmm. God, I've just been looking at a black screen, imagining Japan. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I've been playing games. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, once I figured that, I, I've probably taken like fifty screenshots. They would be like, "Hey, your hard drive's full. You have zero games loaded, but you've got like." 900 pictures yeah i would like to go through josh uh frantic's playstation 4 because between death stranding last of us part 2 and ghost of tsushima i'm sure he has like probably well over a thousand pictures yeah i can imagine but i mean i've played far more than you have of this game um i'm enjoying every second of it yeah. So, I guess, where are you at from a Game of the Year perspective on Last of Us 2 and this? Also, keeping in mind, no spoilers. Dude, I can't even recall what I've actually played this year. I mean, like, Spider Solitaire is a solid one right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> a good just contender. coming off the, like, bias of this week. Um, yeah, Ghost is pretty high. If not currently one, um, gameplay is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um and then Last of Us, the more I dive into the story, the less I'm liking it. Um, and by dive, you mean like just think about it. Think about it. I mean, I'm listening to both sides of the spectrum as far as opinions. I think my main complaint is like the way that they structured the first game versus the way they structured the second. Mm-hmm. The wor- The first one was structured... The environment was a tool to build the characters. Mm-hmm. And the second one was the characters are a tool to build the world. Okay. Um, and I very much prefer the first. Like there are very, there's very little growth in the current cast of characters in the second one compared to the first. Okay. I'm not, I'm not sure if I agree with that, but I, I can see where you're coming from. Um, but yeah, I don't know where Last of Us is because I, I don't have my list up, but it's it's definitely not number one yeah. right now. Yeah, I think for me, I, I kind of talked about this after I shared my first impressions, either on my Twitch last weekend or even on the podcast. From a pure storytelling perspective, like I, I don't really know what's going on in the grander scheme of things in Ghost of Tsushima, largely because I'm playing it while I'm trying to tune into streams. So I need to be better about focusing on the story because I hear it's, it's actually pretty decent yeah um but i think nothing is really going to surpass at least this year uh last of us part two i mean i i fell in love with the story it's no secret that i really enjoyed that game if you listen to the jo- uh the josh the episode the we joe had rogan experience <laughs> yeah the episode we had josh on literally the last episode that we recorded i think frantically enduring and surviving i think that was episode 86 but 
I, I just really enjoyed my time with that story and Ellie, her journey, everything about it. I'm not going to go into spoiler territory. But from a pure gameplay perspective, like obviously they really enhance and refine the controls in The Last of Us Part Two, Exploring, scavenging, being able to uh, go prone and crawl, and they really just enhanced that stealth system. Mm-hmm. But I think Ghost of Tsushima, just in terms of pure fun and ig- the joy that I get from playing it, is just far surpasses Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, no, I'd completely agree. I mean, it's actually an interesting story. Um, it's like a rough interpretation of the actual, like Mongol invasion of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. Um, it it looks like the main reasons the Mongols came to that part of Japan was because there were pirates coming from Tsushima, like raiding China. Yeah, and they're like the fuck are these guys and they're like let's bring all of our ships and like take over um it's just awesome basically mongols invade and you're a lord and you try to you're trying to get your your towns and your people kind of brought up from all these fires yeah i'm loving it no i'm I'm glad you are i think what's so interesting and why i just I really applaud, and I don't want this to just be some big console war discussion between Microsoft and Sony, but I think there's really something to be said for Sony allowing their development teams to really go out on a limb and build something and create something that is so far removed from their previous games. You look at someone like Gorilla as the perfect example, where they literally had a whole series of games called Killzone. Mm-hmm. Which is like the most broy name of a game, and it's exactly what you would anticipate. It's just meat a, fest. Yeah, it's just a first-person shooter. Which there's something to be said about those games. They're really fun and enjoyable, particularly Mercenary on the uh, the PlayStation Vita. But then you look at a developer like Sucker Punch, who previously is most well known for their Sly Cooper games on the PS2, and eventually infamous on PS3 and PS4. Mm-hmm. But then they make something like Ghost of Tsushima, where you have this open world Skyrim type of scale in Japan, and you play as this samurai with all of these unique and interesting ways of upgrading your character. The combat is nuanced and complex in terms of the different stances to fight the different types of enemies that you come into or that you encounter in the game. I just, I really, my hat goes off to them because. Obviously, now more than ever, companies are worried about the bottom line. Are they going to make a return on this investment? Uh, But I think it's no secret that even Bloodborne was a step in a different direction from the previous Dark Souls games. And look how tremendously successful it was and how well praised it is. Yeah, Sony essentially went to FromSoft and was like, we'll give you whatever support you want. Just get us a 90 or above on Metacritic. Fucking blew it out of the water. (laughs) Yeah. Naughty Dog being another example where it's like The Last of Us 1 was pretty much well regarded by everyone, both critics and just people who played the game. Yeah. And then Naughty Dog went and you know made Last of Us Part 2. Neil Druckmann had a vision for that game. And it was he knew going in, like, people are either gonna love this game or they're gonna hate it. But I don't want people to be ambiguous about it. Like Death Stranding, kind of. Not ambiguous, but um, ambivalent they didn't want people to be ambivalent you're either going to love this game or you're going to hate it and so i think to take those risks is what's really something special about video games nowadays because 
I don't know, I'm just tired of like Assassin's Creed and first-person shooters, but like if you can find a way to make that game interesting and unique and different, I look at something like Shadow of Mordor, where it's like, yeah, it's pretty much borrowing from the Arkham and Assassin's Creed series, but you introduce something like the Nemesis system that's so wholly original and different, how it's not been replicated at this point is beyond me. Yeah, I I was going to say the same thing. It's like, how do you not change that or like use that somewhere else? Yeah. I, I still am waiting for that Nemesis gym battle system for Pokemon, but whatever. Yeah. Death Stranding. I mean, yeah. Hideo Kojima is a crazy person, Death but Str- my yeah. gosh, my hack goes off to him for having a vision like that, yep. and then Sony trusting him to make that game, knowing full well that that is not going to cater to everyone like a GTA or a Red Dead Redemption type game. Conceptually, hey, we're running through mountains to deliver packages, and these ghosts pop up. How much money do you need? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I can only get so wrecked with that idea. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I think it's just, it's something really special, and I think that's, that's why I love this medium so much, particularly this generation with what Sony's done, is because they've given us new experiences that we've never had before in games. Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't even realize Ghost was a... uh, Exclusive. Exclusive. I thought everyone had access to it, and then when I found that out, I was just like, holy shit, Sony's killing it. Um. Yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. Like, there's a lot of character development with the main character as well. Jin. Yeah, I mean, the entire like Japanese culture has to do with honor, and samurai is, is the same thing. It's you're a samurai warrior and you fight with honor, and you, I mean, you see repercussions even within the first like ten minutes of gameplay on what honor gets you. Yeah, and then you see. Like the main character struggle with what happens or how he's perceived if he doesn't have honor mm-hmm. or he fights to save his country in whatever means necessary. And you have other side characters who bring up past like stuff that makes like rounds out that character, yeah, opposed to just being a samurai in an open world that's beautiful, yeah, killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as where I'm at, I, there's three main regions. Do you know if there's a new game plus? Excuse me. I don't think there is. Charlie, of course, the legend that he is. Freaking platinum. He platinum the game last night. Um, so I think he's, that's one of his biggest complaints that there is not a new game plus system. Yeah. Cause that'd be a ton of fun running through full gear. I feel like they'll probably patch that in because correct me if I'm wrong. i could be talking out of turn here but i feel like god of war 4 shipped without new game plus and they ended up patching that in or maybe they did that with spider-man i can't remember or even horizon i think they patched in horizon new game plus eventually okay, okay. um because i think everyone wanted it there and then they added like additional bows and things yeah um see i would love that um i love in open worlds just exploring and like clearing that fog mm-hmm. so that's pretty much what i did um, so I, I just beat the mission to get into the second area, but fog wise, I'm probably about 90% clear on the first area or first third. And, um, I've done most of the missions and cleared out most of the areas. Um, so yeah, I'm probably over geared, over leveled, <laughs> which is fine. Like Ryan in a video game overpowered. I would never expect it, that. It's, but like... Going in, because like I just wanted to upgrade all of my shit, 
So, like, I upgraded my dagger, which you assassinate kill people with. Mm -hmm. So when you upgrade it, it actually upgrades the speed of the animation. So when I assassinate someone, it just goes, next stab, and then right into, like, you can slide back into the grass. Mm -hmm. And it's so quick. So I'm just, like, stealth killing people for days. Nice. Um, And then, like, my short or half bow is fully upgraded. I think I have two more on my katana. And then, like, two more on my longbow. Nice. But, um, yeah, I found out. So, because I like exploiting and, like, knowing how things work, chests, if you die or you do redo a checkpoint, they respawn. Or if you fast travel to an area. Mm-hmm. So, you can loot a chest. Uh, restart checkpoints. It keeps your inventory what it was after you looted the chest and respawns the chest. Oh, boy. So, what you can do is there is a fishing little village the bottom right hand corner um near like a little trader outpost um diagonally to the right there's three chests two in tents and one like kind of out in the center of the area um and you can get seven roughly 75 supplies reset the checkpoint and loot that in about 20 seconds per run um Supplies are kind of like the base currency, and then you have like specific items per upgrade. Yeah. So the best way to actually do it is in a shipping village midway up the map to on the left-hand side of the island in the first area. And you're supposed to burn the ships after you kind of defeat the area. But there's like six chests, so you can get like 125 to 150 supplies per run. Mm-hmm. And then just die or reset checkpoint, and then you can reload everything. But since I got too feisty and I burned everything to the ground, I have to do the less efficient one. But yeah, that's something. If you decide to go that route and become overpowered, you can play it however you want. I did it like a few times, and I'm like, I'm gonna loot for a while and see what I can get. But mm-hmm. it's an option. If like you can do, there's a, like a chest that you clear out and it does steal. So steals what you do to upgrade you or one of the three or four resources you need for your katana and your blade um so you can exploit shit like i know in freaking skyrim like i jumped out of the map under into like a blacksmith area and was just like looting his his entire store (laughs) and then i was like ten thousand over like a hundred as far as my like what i could carry Mm -hmm. and i just slowly like crawl my way over with like the equivalent of like the game of thrones like thrown on my back to like a (laughs) chest to like sell everything because you're over encumbered i was like yeah ten thousand over like my 150 capacity oh my gosh but like i had ingots for days like i was ready to like go out of white run and just become like a god (laughs) (laughs) like like Sayatama, like one punch everything. Yeah, with my blade, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, like I would Fus Roda, and they would just incinerate, <laughs> like just like vaporize in front of my eyes, and I'm like, all right, I got this. Yeah. Um, you can't incinerate people with Fus Rodas in Ghost, which I think is why I'd give a game like a three out of ten. Definitely a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, like there's a lot of room for improvement. I think my main critique right now would be similar to The Last of Us Part 2 is the lock-on system. Yeah. Um, For this one, it's based off of your direction and you kind of lightly lock onto the character, but there's no... I mean, like, I don't know if I'm just... Like in Dark Souls, you have a little bead on the person. Mm -hmm. But when you're fighting 
like four I, or six guys. I was in a battle with like ten guys because I fucked up being stealthy, mm-hmm. and like the entire encampment came and was just like, "Hey, here's our little Mongol army." As I'm like running up a cliff, and there's like, you can parry, but if you have five people doing those like red unblockable attacks, mm-hmm. you're either like freaking doing ballet, like jumping around people, but you can't lock on and. I don't know. It works in smaller situations, but it can become cumbersome yeah. in larger interactions with Mongols. But yeah. I really, that's my only critique right now. Um, I've definitely like jumped into rocks and T-posed a bit because I'm like, yeah. I, well, like I launch myself off a cliff with my horse. My horse just buckles into the ground and I just get launched. And then I go launch off another cliff, and then I kill myself. Like, the number of times my horse has, like, broken its knees <laughs> because the full weight of, like, a 30-foot drop just crushes it into the ground. Like, <laughs> you sound like you're enjoying it. Oh, it's hilarious because, like, you're like, oh, I got this. And it's just a little too high. And you just go, nee! And, like, good God. <laughs> Rest in peace, listeners. Yeah. Sorry. And it just gets, it just crumples before you. And you just, like... Face plant into a tree as you launch. It's hilarious. I like. I love games that have a little bit of jank. Mm-hmm. Like that Star Wars game that we played, Jedi Fallen Order. God, I. That's the. I think the last time I've cried laughing. Yeah. In a while. Um, but yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. Um, I can't wait to play more. Nice. Yeah. I. Uh, I would say I haven't played as much as I would like. Yeah. I. I've been doing my best to tune into everyone's streams, you know, um, because there's just a lot of people streaming right now. Um, I think, I guess what I would say is I would never expect, and I, again, I really cannot say enough about how much I appreciate everyone joining my stream, supporting and stuff like that, um, but I would never want people, I never want to take people away from their gaming every week yeah just to to tune in and and continue a conversation with me on twitch so that's kind of where i've struggled because i feel one obligated to support everyone that supported me and then at the same time having those conversations in in those twitch chats and so that's just kind of like taking me out of the immersion of ghost of tsushima um so i think a few days this week when i'm not streaming i'm just gonna (laughs) <laughs> just sit down and just get immersed in the world of Ghost of Tsushima. No, I, I definitely recommend that. Like, I straight up ghosted your stream on Tuesday because I didn't even... One, I got a notification. You're like, thanks for tuning in. I was like, well, shit. Well, I was the moderator for that. And I guess ho- hopefully no one was saying anything bad or like racial slurs. But it, it seemed to be all right. Besides like you yelling at or like struggling on that one level you showed me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, like I tuned in as... I, I, definitely been like lurking in the background of streams um and it's a lot easier if you're just trying to uncover the map like me just riding around trying to uncover the map is yeah it's a lot easier to like have i I, i've lurked in blink stream too many times without like talking but like (laughs) um that's where i generally tune in but if i'm trying to complete story beads um I'm generally just tuning out. But yeah, yeah definitely. We'll tune in when we can. Yeah, 100%. As far as, for me, at least. Yeah. No, I, I definitely want to, um, just as I'm, I, I typically watch Pete because I know I can just lurk, you know, yeah. and listen to, the, listen to the soothing sounds I, I of Pete Dork. I think lurk's a good verb to describe what we do. 
Yeah, I mean, I literally, in my my bio of my Twitch, I say, like, uh, you know, if you join my streams, feel free to say hi. Lurkers are also welcome. Yeah. Because I know that typically when I watch Twitch, I'm a lurker because I typically watch Twitch while I'm playing games. Yeah. Because they're typically later at night. So um, that's kind of always been my approach. So lurkers are welcome. If you want to lurk in my stream, absolutely do it. It's not going to in any way affect me, and I'm certainly not going to ban people. What is the visualization of the verb lurk that you get? Like, what do you picture when you, like, say someone's lurking? I think of Pete's emote where he's, like, his face is somewhat popped up a little bit, like, as if he's, like, just kind of, (laughs) like, peeking over a ledge or something. See, I picture, like, someone in a back alley with, like, a hood over them, and they're, like, crouched in the corner like a little golem. I think it's it's a similar yeah visualization you know it's just big door in that hoodie <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah he's got claws and he's slowly turning into like a vampire <laughs> uh, as the stream goes on yeah. yeah but no hopefully by next week I can have more of a I guess update on my progress in Ghost of Tsushima awesome so, yeah speaking of vampires um, not to segue we can segue back into streaming and shit but like. Castlevania on Netflix is amazing. You talked about this last week. I did, and it's worth talking about again because I'm rewatching. I watched the three seasons, like the first two seasons, like four episodes and seven episodes, and then the last one's like 13. But like, even if you just watch the first two seasons, oh god, <laughs> like that's what I'm doing this afternoon again because like. It's it's so good. I've rewatched it twice. <laughs> All right, so people watch Castlevania apparently. Yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, so cool, good stuff. Well, I really didn't anticipate the Castlevania discussion, uh, but definitely bringing it back to streaming stuff. Uh, I guess kind of on a similar train of thought. Discord, we have one of those. If yeah, you're we not, do. If you're not a part of the Discord, you absolutely should be. Just click on that little link in the show notes, and you'll automatically be added to the Otaku Brothers Discord server, as long as you create a little profile. Always having fun discussions in there. And Ryan, speaking of fun discussions in the Discord, yes, something we wanted to just quickly address isn't even the right word, but just kind of talk to, and that's um, just apologizing to the Discord. Like, it it's, should be, I would hope to, at this point, really clear of what Ryan and I's expectations of the Discord is. It's to be kind of, it's just to be kind, be supportive, and be respectful of everyone, no questions asked. Yeah, just don't divide the community and just be cool. And don't be an asshole. And we have not really had many issues with that. I think we've only had one. Since the inception of this podcast. Yeah. So um, we just wanted to continue to reiterate that as long as you're... like, yeah, you, There's no need to apologize. I mean, post as much as you fucking like it because it's great. It's a lot of fun to read. Um the more you do it, the happy we're, happier we are. No, 100%. Yeah. Like, I love waking up at, in the morning and seeing, like, oh, there was a conversation on the Discord last night. Or, like, I'm sitting down watching a movie with Lauren. Or I'm playing video games and I'm getting notification alerts from Discord. Like, I love that people are continuing to have those conversations. Don't stop having those conversations, <laughs> you know? So just continue to have fun. Yeah. Share stuff, whether it's related to items that are on sale or something you picked up. Doesn't really matter what it is as long as it's a... Uh, Use your judgment, right? It's not complicated. Yeah, I was going to say appropriate for work, but no, that's no fun. No, yeah. So just, yeah, words to live by. I think this is like the 11th commandment is just don't be an asshole. Exactly. (laughs) And then you're good. 
I don't know. I think that's enough on that. Yeah, no, 100%, because we have better things to get to, Ryan. Yeah, we do Microsoft. What's up? Yeah, that was a fun, what, like 30 minutes of... Yeah, so I guess before we kind (laughs) of kick this discussion off, what I really just want to understand, before without getting into the the nuance of all the different announcements, was just what are your thoughts taking away from that, Ryan? Or before that, where were your excitement levels going into it? And then after the fact... What are your thoughts? I think I was excited for um, the possibility of it rivaling or at least answering the quality level that Sony had in their, what, second uh, showcase of the next generation. Mm -hmm. Um, The future of gaming, as they labeled it. So, like, you brought up when we were talking about this, that the first attempt of Sony was, like, a, a spec show for like 45 minutes of just like monotone talking. Yeah, Mark Cerny was just talking about the brilliance and power of the system. And then there, which was a first attempt and not the most enjoyable thing to watch. He was passionate as all hell, so I give him credit for that. But like, I glaze over <laughs> listening to specs. Yeah. Um, and then their second attempt, they probably got the message that like, we want something else. Mm-hmm. Um and they had a great second attempt, and we were expecting, or I was hoping that Microsoft, similar to Sony, had a poor first attempt, and I was hoping that just like Sony, they would blow it out of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, going through what we talked about last week, we had, I don't know if we had high expectations, but we had, I guess, games that would give us the possibility of having excitement for this next generation. Yeah. And things we kind of expected or would want, I would say expected, I mean, answering the amount of gameplay shown per the Sony show. Yeah. um, That was kind of a must on my checklist of at least being up to the current status quo. Yep. Um, As far as games, we expected Halo and we got that. Um, we had some wish lists and we happened to get one on my list, wish list. But besides that, my overall expectations, besides just driving up the quality of the presentation were, I don't know, probably pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I was excited to see what they were going to present and I wanted them to change my mind on microsoft versus sony and it's it's not like in my mind i don't give a shit between the two companies either way i want good games with good stories and good production value i will pick whatever console is able to provide that experience to me regardless of the company's logo or name absolutely that i'm not really part of like the whole sony versus microsoft i don't care like uh, i could probably get a i have my computer that can run both of them better than both systems. Yeah. I just want good games, good stories, and good graphics. Okay, so with all of that in mind, I That guess... was a long, let me get off my soapbox. Sure. But, like, yeah, I, I was excited to see what Microsoft was going to present. And walking away from what you did see, I guess, high-level thoughts. Um, Let's list the good first. Their transition slides, or at least the production value of the people... When just like talking to the screen, like exponentially better than the first one. Mm-hmm. It's not like a Skype camera. This was they came into a studio. They had professional lighting. Like you could tell it was professionally done. Opposed mm-hmm. to let's me sit at my computer with my AirPods in and my fridge is an Xbox in the background. Yeah, like it, 
I get it. It's like the time when they originally did the first one was start of the pandemic. Like Zoom was a huge thing and they were probably addressing the status of the world. Mm -hmm. But like this one, it felt better. So I think they did a great job there. Um, As far as like the expectation like of gameplay, I would say they dropped the ball. Yeah. Um, The only gameplay I can actually think of is Halo. I might be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's the only one I remember seeing gameplay of. And I think that's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like in Sony, I mean, they shotgun blasted with like 25 games, but I mean, besides the stuff that's coming out later, but like Spider-Man, Horizon, I mean, Spider-Man is, I think it's coming out early, like this, later this year or early next year. Mm Mm-hmm. It was just a teaser, but they had gameplay, or at least sure cinematics did. from the gameplay. No, they had they actual game in-game play? gameplay of Miles Morales flying around the city. Okay. Yeah. Because, I guess, yeah, I guess that's true, because he was swinging. Because in the beginning, of the, they, they kicked it off with GTA V, right? Yeah. And then they had this kind of panning out of a character, looked like he was force-pushing something, all this electricity, and then it kind of yeah. went up his arm, and then you saw the face of Miles Morales be re- revealed from the mask. Yeah. And then I was like, that's all I need, man. Miles Morales, Spider-Man, more Spidey's kind of, coming, and then eventually, and then they transitioned, like, boom, gameplay, him flying through the city, doing all kinds of flips, really great music. You saw all the particle effects from the cars yeah. crashing into the walls and things like of that, like that nature. Um, so yeah, they, they showed that gameplay. I, I, I don't want to just jump the gun here and overtake it, so I'll, I'll let you finish, like, I guess, overall thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would have expected more gameplay. Um, besides that, like, with the world where it is, being somewhat depressing with, like, global pandemics and, like, our cities on fire and all the happy, like... I mean, at least the sun's out right today. Like, yeah. Jesus. But, um, like, there were a lot of depressing games. And, I mean, compared to Sony, which was... I think we got, like, four or five platformers... Um, there was a lot of death and like sadness to all the. Yeah, game. I mean you have State of Decay three, which is typically like an open world survival zombie game that's very competitive, and you play with your friends. You have Hellblade two, which we really saw nothing about, which was tremendously was just, disappointing. Yeah. Stalker two, which looked like Slender meets Resident Evil seven, creepy as all hell, and then you had the Medium, which looks like. You're basically simultaneously in two different universes, which conceptually that was really cool. Yeah, conceptually and rendering those two different environments at the same time is really interesting. Um, but I guess just given the state of things, and you know, I know that Sony showed Resident Evil Eight. They had some freaky games too. That one Japanese game where like there was like Slenderman, literally Slenderman kind of people. Yeah, it, it was just I guess the the direction they took it was a little. Interesting. All to they say had the to least. do was like that pregame, like Balan Wonderland. That yeah. was like the perfect, like amount of happiness and like the songs amazing. Like yeah, we'll get to, to that. Bring up the spirits of like that vibe is what I wanted. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I get that. I mean, I guess if I had to, I talked a lot about this on my last stream. Let's so, rehash. Yeah, no, because there's a lot of people that obviously were not there. 
So if I, if I had to use one word to describe this, and let me even take a step back, I was really excited going into this. You and I talking last week on the episode, if you haven't listened to that, you can listen at the tail end. Uh, Ryan and I talking about the things we expected to see during this Thursday showcase, the things that we were really hyped to see, and the things that would have like really made us go out and pre-order a Series X, the pipe dream type games that we would only want to experience on the most powerful Xbox. Yeah. So... I was not going into this as a Debbie Downer, a negative Nancy. I was going into this trying to have realistic expectations, knowing Microsoft and Xbox track record in the past decade and a half, I would say, with some of these conferences. And the one word I would use to describe this was just underwhelming. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think kicking off with Halo was absolutely the right move because you need to get everyone invested right away Everyone that is just a very casual gamer who just typically plays Call of Duty, Fortnite, and sports games, which, let's make it abundantly clear, there's nothing wrong with that. But the people that want to get an Xbox or have any interest in getting the next Xbox, they want to see Halo. So starting with Halo makes the most sense. What do you think of Halo? I think it looks fine. (laughs) And I say that not to say like it looks like garbage, it looks like the Halo I wanted. I wasn't going into this looking for photorealism to rival something like Horizon Forbidden West. I was going into this, show me, take me back to 2001 or 2000 when Halo Combat Evolved shattered the world. Yeah. Was this new IP that we had never seen before put Xbox on the map as a console uh, or as a video game console that no one had any experience with prior to and they, it put them on the map. And I think that's what I wanted going into this was just more traditional Halo. Mm-hmm. My, you- my first reaction to the graphics was just, I don't think, again, I don't think they're going to photorealism. I think they're really potentially, there's one of two things that are going on here. One, this game's not coming out for many, many more months. So we, are, we could have been seeing an early earlier render. development yeah. version of this game, an earlier version demo. The second part of that is this, they also could be going for more stylized aesthetic with, mm-hmm. with Halo Infinite. It, it wasn't... Yeah, it felt more stylized for sure. And so when we went into the trailer, we saw the gameplay, the sound design was really spot on. You know, Pete Dorr was even commenting, because that's where I was watching it, he was even commentating on the sounds of the guns, like the shotgun specifically. Each time you pulled the trigger, it just sounded so crisp and so right. Particle effects looked pretty decent. Um, I don't know if Martin O'Donnell is composing the soundtrack, but regardless, you saw the, you heard those classic Halo themes. I I just think it was a mistake to at the end have some random grunt dude talking for the last two minutes of the trailer when diehard Halo fans are like, oh man, it's Thanos or whatever the hell his name is. Whereas like everyone <laughs> Did he else, get the gauntlet? everyone else is like. Who is this guy, and why are we like right in his grill, listening to him spew madness for a minute and a half? Yeah, and he didn't look that good. And like, he didn't look that good. And I think that from that point on, I kind of had a similar thought as when I was watching the PlayStation conference. It's like, why are we talking about Grand Theft Auto Five to kickstart this conference? Like, you already are losing my interest. But I was like, you know what? No, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. This is going to get better. They have more guns to show, more trump cards to play. And for me personally, it just never happened. Yeah. I just feel like when they were touting in their first conference or whenever the hell it was about Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and they were just like, wait until you see the first gameplay from Assassin's Creed Valhalla. 
and they just showed a bunch of pre-rendered cutscenes, mm-hmm. CGI stuff. Maybe even if that's in game, the point I made on the Discord last night is there needs to be a nice balance of CGI trailers to get people excited about the power of this console because that's going to show the true graphical fidelity of this machine. Yeah. But you need to tip the scales in favor of gameplay to show me as the person potentially buying your console what I'm going to be experiencing is, uh, when I buy this this game, yeah, or these this this console, like what experience is this going to offer me that I'm not already getting today with the systems I own? Yeah. And I didn't get that during this conference, and that to me was what was incredibly disappointing. What I talked about in the disc or not on the Discord on my Twitch stream the other night was coming away from this conference. I think it's abundantly clear that the three consoles, the the big three, Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony, are doing three very different things in the game of, in the world of video games. Nintendo, no one needs any introduction from Nintendo. Yeah, they don't even need a market. They don't need to convince people to buy their machine because they have their flagship franchises like Mario, Zelda, Yoshi, Kirby, Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, you name it. They have all of the gaming offerings that people are going to want, regardless of how much it costs, regardless of any little... Yeah. weirdo peripheral type things that they try and add to their device. Yeah, they got the Nintendo tax going like a $40 game that is actually 60 still after like four years. Exactly. Everyone wants Nintendo. And then you have Sony where it's very clear, certainly with their PlayStation conference, that they believe in generations of games. They're not catering to the backwards compatibility community and they know that. They've mm-hmm. been abundantly clear like, hey, if you want the PlayStation 5, if you want gaming experiences that you can get nowhere else but on PlayStation, you have to buy into the next generation of consoles. And I respect that because yeah. they're committing to a vision. They're committing to their first and third-party developers like Gorilla, Naughty Dog, uh, Sucker Punch, Insomniac, whatever developer it is, that, hey, these are only going to be playable on PlayStation 5. So I respect that. Microsoft is no longer, in my mind, trying to have a console war with Sony because, I'm going to just say it, they lost this past generation if there is this whole little console war that people want to debate and talk about. Yeah. Because over the course of this generation, they were touting something called Game Pass, which is fucking amazing. It is the Netflix of video games. It is crazy that every game they showed during that showcase is going to be available on Game Pass. And I understand that that is an incredible feat. It's never been done in video games. Sony and Nintendo will never be able to compete with that. This is my extreme reservation with this movement moving forward. And I was doing some back-of-the-napkin math, so bear with me. But before I do that, and this might be apples to oranges in comparison, think about the film industry for a second. What do you think would happen to big blockbuster film production companies if every movie that ever released came directly to Netflix, Hulu, or whatever other streaming platform it was? They'd make a lot less box office. Do you think they would have the ability to create these multi-million dollar films year after year? Do you think there would have been 10 years of Marvel films with those budgets if all of those films came straight directly to Disney Plus? Probably, yeah, probably not. Because I mean, like a a ticket for a movie is what, like nine bucks. Yeah, it's insane. It feels like fifty bucks when you're going. You take a family of four to the movies. You're paying like a hundred bucks because you're getting popcorn, you're getting sour punch straws, you're getting a couple ices and a couple diet cokes. Yeah, I don't know how they sell rights or 
how the licensing of videos work. Yeah. I'm sure the, I mean, do the movie theaters pay for the rights to, I don't know if you know. I don't I, know all of those details. I'm just like, presenting a, a basis of comparison with the, yeah, the point I'm about Yeah, think of how easy it is, like, oh, here's your film. It's a DVD or whatever. Plug it in and you project it on the screen. I mean, you have one DVD, costs like three bucks, and then you th- shove it in and you can have 60 people in a theater. Mm-hmm. Like that's pure profit. <laughs> yeah, so bear with me with what the point I'm trying to make here. So I wanted to have that basis of comparison. What would it look like for the film industry if all movies just came stri- straight to streaming platforms when you're paying a monthly subscription fee of 10 to 15 bucks? So that's, that's where we get into Game Pass, and this yeah. is my thought. I have an accounting degree, so I'm kind of a numbers nerd, so, so bear with me with what I'm about to say. Let's just say, hypothetically, I buy five new Series X games every year. And let's just say those five games are $60 a pop. Mm-hmm. That's $300 that's going directly into Microsoft's pockets, right? Yeah. Now, instead of buying those five games at $60, if all five of those games are available on Game Pass and I'm paying a monthly subscription fee of $10 per year, or $10 per month per year, that's $120 a year. So you net those two out, that's $180 that is no longer in Microsoft's pockets. Yeah. Okay, you bear, you still with me? No, I'm, yeah, I got you. Okay, so you multiply that out by the number of Xbox One units that were sold this past generation, which is $50 million. Yeah. That's $9 million a year that Microsoft is no longer getting, only if everyone is only buying five new games a year. So you multiply that out by, I mean, just double or triple that. That's $27 million that is no longer going in Microsoft's pockets every year. And they're also touting that, hey, everything that's coming to Xbox, don't even worry about buying the Series X unless you want to play it faster for the next two years because everything is coming to the Xbox One you already own. So thinking about the number of money that they're not getting from the next console because they're not encouraging their consumer base to buy into that console. Yeah. How many X Series X's do you think? The diehard Xbox fans are buying the Series X. But if they're going to convince people that own Nintendo and Sony consoles, do you really think they're enticing that consumer base to buy into the next generation if they're just saying, like, hey, just buy a cheaper Xbox One? So how how much larger do you think that fifty million dollar or fifty million units is going to increase? I'm not saying we have a Sega situation on our hands here, but I'm just worried that Microsoft is putting all of their eggs in this gaming game pass basket. Yeah. And I don't know because look at how many developers over the course of the past fifteen years after the PS2, Xbox, and GameCube generation just went under. They could no longer fund their companies. How much? How many dollars are no longer going into those smaller developers anymore? Pockets, yeah, because of Game Pass. Well, Don't get me wrong; I think it's an amazing service, but like I, I have serious reservations about the future of Microsoft and making games. Understanding too, because I know people are out there saying, "Rusty, nine million dollars is nothing." Microsoft is a multi-billion-dollar company, and I understand that. But there's going to be ramifications for those smaller developers not getting the coin that they used to get when, oh, by the way, video game prices haven't changed in two fucking generations. It's insane to me that we're still paying $60 for video games when we were paying $60 for the same video game two generations ago. Yeah, I, I highly suspect that I guess the next generation will be at least 70 But like Ubisoft has come out and said they're only gonna, all of their games coming for next generation are going to be $60. Now, granted, 
it's going to cost you ten dollars to boot up the game, fifteen dollars up your create upgrade your character to level five. <laughs> yeah. But they're still going to be I charging mean, sixty dollars per game. Fuck, EA made a billion dollars in microtransactions. I mean, I I think it's also changing the model is. The game isn't the money maker. It's the transactions inside. I mean, FIFA, whatever, online squad, soccer stuff. A billion dollars. And that's sixty dollars to get the thing, the funnel of like potential gambling into your household, and then, I mean, fuck, I put two thousand dollars into an app that I downloaded for free. Mm -hmm. It was pretty easy, and like. Yeah, I don't think the moneymaker now is if I mean like Bethesda's going for that model because it's it's so lucrative. It is, but Microsoft I, correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't owned an uh, Microsoft console or an Xbox this past generation, but it's my understanding that Halo, Forza Horizon, whatever other for Gears of War, they don't have those microtransactions in their games. So all of those dollars are not going to Microsoft developers. Those dollars are going to the EAs, Bethesda's, and Ubisoft's of the world. On Game Pass, similar to Netflix, like the for Netflix to keep friends, I think it was like $100 million that they had to pay to whatever studio had the rights to friends to license it, to have it on their platform. I don't know how that agreement works or if it's very similar. To, I'd assume it's similar to the Netflix model on Microsoft. Microsoft has to be paying those developers money to allow that. Yeah, because that's money that's no go- no longer going directly in their pockets. I mean, Microsoft is really just the platform to... I mean, like, they're probably... I don't know what the cut is. But I, I think a, most of it should be going back to the developers or else the developers can't make anything. Because like it's only becoming more expensive to make video games. Look at something like The Last of Us Part Two, Ghost of Tsushima, yeah. Forza Motorsport 6. Like, oh my gosh, that was photorealism that they were showing during the Microsoft showcase. And the hardware is not the main cost driver. It's the people. Like people are the most expensive things. Like the reason cars are so expensive is because labor is so expensive. Like you can't automate game design. I mean, you have the systems to improve the efficiency of the workforce, but like until we can automate and have programs build shit for us, we're going to still have to pay for the labor cost, which is amortized over however many things you sell people are expensive and i'm like not to get it's not controversial but like dealing with having to amortize people into a piece cost games are no different like programmers like even ukulele you said this the original team was like six people six people and they upped it to 15 because they got a million plus dollars and they could pay for those man hours like yeah, unless you're paying people minimum wage, which no one's going to sit around and after program like getting your degree in programming, sixty thousand dollars per a team of a hundred gets expensive really quick. Yeah, so that's it's like, tough because Game Pass. It's like if every first party Microsoft game for the next however many years is coming to Game Pass. Yeah, I think Valhalla already has um, the initial like base. I think I think it's Valhalla, but the f- base package is already like 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like, hey, we don't expect to sell cop- copies, but yeah. So yeah, it's worrying. It, it, it's, it's just concerning. And that's just a point I wanted to, to bring up because I think, not that I want to sound like some arrogant 
prick or anything like that because I, oh, I look at my accounting degree, but like I ha- got a CPA <laughs> with a business degree. Like I, my, that's where my mind's trailing is like, yes, Game Pass is an amazing feature, but someone's going to be affected by this. This has business ramifications. I think the good thing about Game Pass is indie developers have the potential to have visibility on there. Absolutely. Where you get these AAA developers who can make more money off of Game Pass and they have to weigh their options. I mean, yeah. For small people, it makes sense. Like when you get the rares and bungees or 437 over engine. Yeah. I mean, when you, you're weighing those who have the reputation, who have the supply base or the base to sell to, it's you have to see if they're making money or as much money as they could potentially make. Because it, getting to, like, I mean, you can also physically buy it. That's always still an option, but you make less on the base that you're trying to like potentially sell to if they're doing just the game pass. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it may get to a point where Microsoft kind of pulls the curtain back a little bit and is like, all right, we're establishing kind of a a threshold for games where it has to be out for two years before it can come to Game Pass or something to that effect yeah. as opposed to just like every game that's coming to Xbox, it's on Game Pass. Yeah, because like what portion of that $10 goes to like the new indie titles? Exactly, I don't know. And then like do you say like, six to seven bucks of that ten dollars is going to the big companies and the remaining three bucks is divvied between like 400 indie developers on like Foxyland 3 or like that kind of stuff like i would love to get a developer that makes Foxyland or whatever like a, an yeah. indie developer on the podcast and just kind of pick their brain like what is your what are your thoughts about this operating model and is it sustainable yeah that's rough. Like, I don't want to just... Be I mean, because like, Foxyland 3 was like five bucks. But when it comes... Are they completely excluded from that Game Pass because of the limited visibility that they're already going to get because they're indie? Like, at what point do you sell out... It's not necessarily sell out, but like sell your soul to Microsoft saying like, hey, give us visibility and we'll take whatever i don't know and i don't want to stay on this train the whole podcast i just i think it has to be brought up because i think the one thing everyone is singing singing its praises after that conference is like yeah you know what that was a little disappointing we didn't get as much gameplay i still don't know what everwild's about but game pass and i agree game pass is unbelievably amazing like i there's no way of describing it it's good for consumers and potentially not good for the producers yeah um yeah, I mean, they're fighting for the the big three. Uh, they're they're fighting for different markets. It seems. Um, it, it sounds like Microsoft's doubling down on their original kind of proposition from Xbox One that it's a one and all encompassing watch Netflix TV whatever here along with gaming. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like with Game Pass, there's more or less doubling down on the same model of the last generation. And just, I mean, for the number of times we've heard Game Pass over this conference and then the last conference, I mean, like every transition seemed to talk about it more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I fall more into, I respect the balls it takes to say, we're doing a hard cut here at this generation. And I 
business-wise, I would say I like the Sony model because you could say, hey, get a PS4. Like we've sold 100 million of them. Get it on sale. I don't give a shit. If you want to play the next Spider-Man or if you want to play the New Horizon, jump on this new train. PlayStation 5. We're doing it for you because we can produce beautiful shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, Unreal Engine 5 looked like... I want to hop into that world opposed to this world. (laughs) No kidding. And like Nintendo... They've got a monopoly on my heart, so... Yeah, 100%. They have a, no- a monopoly on your childhood, right? You're always going to yeah. want those Mario and Zelda-like experiences. Yeah, and, like, I will forever buy the next Switch or whatever Nintendo is trying to, like, sell me. Like, if they could... If all my appliance were Nintendo brand, I would definitely pay the surcharge. Yeah. Um, but, like, getting back to Halo, I guess, after, like, a 10-minute f- rant... Um, what what do you think about the open world aspect? I love it. Yeah, me personally, I think the only thing it's going to potentially conflict with, and I honestly now, I'm actually just having this thought now, I have no idea how you would do that couch co-op unless it was like a Far Cry gameplay system where you kind of just spawned in a friend and you kind of just ran around the world and did things cooperatively. Which could be fun. Which could be great. I Riding, riding in the warthog and you and I just getting lost in the world. I mean, for me, I love Far Cry. I love those games. I love the idea of having these different outposts on an island or wherever the gameplay setting is and infiltrating that outpost however you see fit, whether it's stealth or just go in and throw in Molotov cocktails and shoot people up. And I love how that could translate and transition into a Halo game. Yeah. For me personally, like... It's kind of like the Nemesis system. It's like, why aren't people taking more advantage of the Far Cry system? And if they do that in Halo, I'm 100% there for that. Yeah. I think that's amazing. No, I, I really like it too. Um, I mean, just for a really, I mean, date-wise close reference, like Ghosts. You have these five or six missions that you're trying to get, but it's up to you to do whatever order you want. Um, and from that trailer, the I guess the story beats were... There's three guns that you have to take down. And he took down this one here. Um, I like the hexagonal kind of um, stonework of the world that they were exploring. It looks really cool. Mm-hmm. It uh, looks like Halo 1. Yeah. No, I, I, I like the idea of going back to the roots of here's a ring. Let's explore it more so than the original. I mean, like the first mission in Halo... Besides going on whatever ship you're going through, mm-hmm. um, you get to that world and you have to kill those outposts. Yeah. Right? It was, I th- no, you're rescu- rescuing survivors that crash landed from that ship. Yeah, that's right. And that was pretty open world, but expanding that was more verticality, which is kind of what this trailer showed, I think is awesome. It's, yeah. It is going back to its roots. Um, visually, I love the matte grays of the guns, how sleek everything was. Yes. You don't need a bunch of like trinkets or guns and whistles, or like bells and whistles. Bells and whistles. Guns and whistles, bells and whistles. Yeah. Depends on your store. Um, I like how sleek it looked. Yeah. Um, as long as it's crisp and I mean, we were watching it through a stream of a stream, but like, I will say I went back and watched it in 4k and I was much more impressed. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, did the brute guy at the end improve any, or is he still? Yes and no. I mean, I don't know. And fate, like direct face, that is hard to pull off from any company. Like, yeah. Even like people. I think um, 
what's that one where you're like everything's a robot too human or something like that Two Humans, a really old, not really old game, but it's it was on the Xbox. 360. Oh, it was um, it's Detroit. Oh, Detroit Become Human. Yeah. Um, What's up, David Cage? That one they do a really good job because it's constantly people looking at their like their face, but that game is just beautiful. Yeah. Like, if you do it well, it can work well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, trying to put that close up, the if I'm I'm probably misremembering the graphic level of the remakes of Halo Two. But the brutes in that towards the end of the game look really great. Well, I was even, you know, because I was wondering, I'm like, does this really look that bad? Or people just, is my 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 viewpoint being um, oh, fuck, skewed. I'm, skewed, thank you, because of all the hate surrounding it. So naturally I'm adapting or uh, adopting that lens mm-hmm. when I'm looking at this. And so I watched it in 4K and I'm like, let's just do a quick comparison here. I threw up some Halo 4 gameplay I'm like, oh, yikes, that doesn't really look so good anymore. Yeah. In comparison to Infinite. So, like, we've clearly come a long way in graphical power and showcase. And they even were saying, while I don't know if I really saw it that much, they said it's like, they were super hyperbolic. Each pixel is 3,000 million, 100 billion more pixels greater than Halo 5 was rendered. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't, I don't really see that today, but maybe at launch I will see that. Yeah, so, we're a Googleplex higher in the number of pixels compared to like, yeah, I don't know. Speaking of launch, though, I think we talked about in the last, you asked me a question, does this game come out at launch? And I said, it would be the biggest bonehead mistake from Microsoft if they don't have this game launching with Series X. Understanding, of course, that it plays on the Xbox One also. Because they said at the end, that was the other interesting thing. They never committed to dates for any of these games. They either said August or holiday, or they didn't give a date at all. Well, I think that's smart. I mean, it's similar to your company's approach with COVID. Like, I don't know how the resurgence, at least in the United States, will affect their supply stream. It'll probably... I mean, like, even Ghosts is outselling, like, everything right now, but the complaint now is that there weren't enough physical copies. Like, I went to five stores and there was nothing. Like Japan, U.S., Canada were all sold out. I mean, Amazon warehouses too. Mm-hmm. It's like it's probably based off their production capability. Um, I'm curious if maybe that's why they're not committing fully. It's like we're trying to build this shit as much as possible. Here's when we're trying to get it out. If we have to push it back a few more months to get a few million more consoles out. Well, so then the then the question becomes like because Sony was saying, I think I read a tweet. You know, take it with a grain of salt that they were prepping 11 million PlayStation 5 units for launch or whatever the heck it was. Yeah. So you got to think, at what point do we say, not me, but Microsoft and Sony, do we say in the boardroom, hey, we're not going to be able to manufacture enough consoles and we're probably not going to be able to polish our games and play test it enough for something like Halo Infinite to be at launch, even though we had the intentions of doing so out like in a perfect world outside of the pandemic. So like, at what point do they just say, screw this, we're just going to wait until spring 2021 to release these consoles? Because I feel like they're almost in a chess match not to like outdo one another, and meaning Microsoft and Sony in terms of like what games they're offering, but like we, we don't know when these consoles are launching. So are they waiting for the other person to back out and just say, we're punting this to 2021? No, I, I think that that'd be a huge mistake. I mean, the holidays, you make so much money on the holidays. It's all about that Christmas rush. 
But so then Halo Series X I mean, come out with just Forza Motorsport Six and Halo's delayed. No, I think Halo has to come out to have any credibility. Yeah, they. I mean, even if they push it out with some level of jank, um, that's a hard one. I mean, they've had like five years of development on Halo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, God, that would be catastrophic i think if they come out with like here's our new system we've got nothing to play on it that you can't already play on your current system buy everything for christmas it's like yeah i have no incentive to spend 500 more dollars on something that i could always just play on my current system and i don't have halo yeah and there's no halo i i think it has to come out at launch i mean it's it's going to be come out later this year uh or the system wise um, it has to come out with multiplayer. Like I think there was a discussion in the Discord saying that like multiplayer couldn't, or might not be in it at launch. And, and I think that, we think it's debunked. Yeah, I think that's been that, that has would been be fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like that's like Battlefront Two, the new one without multiplayer. Oh hey, like in the old games it was set up well, but like the entire point of Dice's game was to play multiplayer online. Yeah. Halo and Call of Duty are in a league of its own. I guess Fortnite is now in there as like that's all it is. It's it's online. You play the story, sure, if you like. There's some Call of Duty stories that are okay. Halo, Master Chief's awesome. But like the entire like middle school, like the original get on Xbox Live. Do you have Xbox Live? Let's hop on it. Here's my awesome play by play. Like that's what Halo is. It's hard to name another franchise that is at the level of Halo Online. I don't think it could be compared to much else on a multiplayer level dating back to when Xbox Live became a thing. Yeah. And the comparison I made on the Discord was like, that's like shipping, knowing full well if you were a part of that time, the hype leading up to Super Smash Brothers Brawl was just on another level of hype train because yeah. every single day Sakurai had a website called like Super Smash Brothers Dojo or whatever the heck it was and he would release something new every single day. So every day he'd have a tease of either a new character, a new map, a new song, something. And so that's basically shipping that game out with the hype surrounding it and just saying, hey, so... We're still working tirelessly to get multiplayer on so you can actually play Group Smash, but you can play Subspace Emissary right now for the time being. Yeah, or it's like Mario Maker online, but you can only play your own maps because we're working on being able Some to play other... Effect. Yeah, I mean, it's like in a Mario or a, a Nintendo effect, but like... The rumor's been debunked. I mean, as far as we know, multiplayer is coming to Halo, so we should just be rest assured that we can play multiplayer Halo. However... If they do come back and say, like, you know what, we did speak too soon, no multiplayer, well, then they're going to be in a, in a tough spot because they ate their words and said, like, no, it's absolutely going to be their launch. Yeah, like JK. So, but like, I, if, is it true that they're taking the Bungie, or not the, I guess it would be Bungie, with the Destiny approach of doing expansion packs? I don't want to speak out of turn. Okay. I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I don't know how... I mean, they could do it with the story and just keep adding on, but, like, we better fucking have a full, well-fled, like, fleshed-out story, or else, like, hey, we're going to give you, like, chapters two and three, and then, like, you can do, or I guess one, two, and three, 
And then we're going to give you four, five, and six in like six months for another 10 bucks. Like if they do that shit, I'm like... I think what I'll say right now, so we can just move on and talk about some of the other games that we kind of piqued our interest. I have serious reservations about Halo right now. Mm -hmm. I've seen some good stuff. It looks like more fun Halo. But I think like most of the games showcased at this conference, they didn't give us enough details and they were very broad in what they were showing and telling us. Yeah, I expected more like... You got to see, they showed off a lot of different guns, um, which was cool. A lot of guns that I haven't seen before in the Halo franchise, like there was one that was, it almost looked like a rail gun that shot like red orbs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that could be like perfect dark for you. Yeah. Let's um, not get it, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully the perfect dark still comes out and that's what we didn't get to see it. But like, Yeah. Halo's Halo. I really hope they add couch co-op. Like if that's that's all you have to do to sell me on Halo right now is be like, hey, I know Halo Five we didn't have it, but back by popular demand and for nostalgia's nostalgia's sake, couch co-ops back if you want it. Yeah, no, I, I mean I, don't wear a mask, sit six yeah. feet apart, but like going back to our roots and like that's all you have to do for marketing. It's not that hard. Yeah, I, I hope they can they can give us the Halo we want. And I don't want to say deserve, but just go back to the roots of what made Halo so special. But I do want to talk about some of the other games that, you know, my, my games of the show, if I had to pick three games that really stood out to me, Avowed looks really nice. Again, we yeah. got very little from that. I think they spent more time with an arrow in the air than they actually did showing us what we can expect from that game. But once the arrow landed, kind of in this dark, deep, um, dungeon-like setting you immediately become this first-person player using kind of alchemy to the effect of Doctor Strange, and you're wielding this sword, and then in the distance you hear what seems to be a Balrog that you're about to fight. Yeah, it really reminded me of, like, Izalith from Dark Souls 1. Um, it, it was just, like, an underground city. Um, it, it looked really cool. And then even, like, the magic spell shit, you felt like Doctor Strange with, like, a a decked out runic sword like this is cool like this is a visually and graphically polished version of skyrim and depending on what comes out of the cave i'm excited yeah and i think too like i've lost so much hope and trust in bethesda at this point like this might be the skyrim game i end up playing next generation if elder scrolls 6 is going to be a microtransaction buggy nightmare. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrified to see what engine they end up using. Yeah, so um, more to see, Unreal. but I think Avowed looks really good. Uh, it's no secret if you've listened to pretty much any episode on this podca- of this podcast, I'm a huge fan of Rare. So yeah. particularly pre-Microsoft-owned Rare with the N64, even something like Star Fox Adventures on the, game, uh, the GameCube, the Super Nintendo days, Rare was just untouchable in terms of the games that they were putting out year after year, month after month. Um, However, I feel like Microsoft has just had them on a leash ever since they purchased them. I can't speak for Sea of Thieves. I've heard pretty good things about that. Yeah. But I feel like they've really just had them on a leash for the most part for so long, not allowing them to dip into their creative minds that they had on the N64 days. However, something like Cameo, Elements of Power, awesome. Banjo-Kazooie, Nuts and Bolts, Perfect Dark Zero, Say What You Will, they return to some of that um, that charm that they had in those days. Um, all of that to say, sorry, I'm, I'm getting to my point, I promise, is a game called Everwild. 
graphically it it looks like something from Breath of the Wild. Yeah. We got the trailer that we got, I still have no idea what's going on. It looks like there's going to be a focus on cooperative play almost to the tune of something like Journey mm-hmm. where you really go on this this powerful, emotionally impactful adventure. But I was kind of curious. I was just like, when was the last time we saw Everwild and what did we see? So I pulled up a trailer. The first trailer we saw of Everwild was back in, I think it was November or August of 2019. It was a minute and a half trailer showing virtually the same type of stuff that we saw in the last trailer. Yeah. And I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because obviously the pandemic, but it just really strikes strikes me as being a little odd that we still didn't see any fucking gameplay for this thing yeah i mean like it looks interesting it looks like you more or less like i don't know work with the animals of the forest like pocahontas type shit like you got a raccoon friend and you got a talking tree and then like you revived a deer like if you go around collecting these cool looking like cell shaded animal things that like a giant lizard thing that pukes fish. Yeah, <laughs> that was, gives was birth like, to fish. God, I, I mean, there was that one game with like an ant dude who was like on acid. Oh, that one like platformer game. What are you talking about? Sorry, there was another game during that thing where I felt like I was like on acid watching the trailer. Okay. Um, but like... Oh, Psychonauts. Psychonauts. <laughs> yeah. Well, I literally texted you. I was like... What am I? What drug did I accidentally take during work? I'm, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing this. It looks like that one of those telescope things. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you look down at kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope. Yeah. Yeah. I had, those are really cool. Those um, neat. Let's just talk about kaleidoscopes for a couple. Yeah, minutes. dude. I what level of rare refraction or how many mirrors do you think is in a kaleidoscope? Forty-seven. That's probably the exact number. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think you probably researched that before. Probably. <laughs> So, just so you guys know, there are 47 mirrors in a kaleidoscope. This is an educational program. Yeah, you're welcome. Don't double check that, but like, in, from it now is, on, it's 47. It is fact. Um, we never went to the moon. Um, life is a lie. And lizard people are real. Yeah, there's no molten iron core to our planet. It's just endless ocean. Yep. Um, and that's where the sales of, <laughs> of Microsoft are going if they don't show gameplay. Um, as far as Everwilds, I think that's one of the ones, I mean, I'm excited for Halo. Um, I wish I would have seen more and they wouldn't have shown that grunt dude yelling at us about some war or like revenge, but like, I think Everwild is more up my alley. Yeah. Um, it just looked beautiful. Um, I didn't realize Sea of Thieves, is that rare? Mm Mm-hmm. Good for them. (laughs) Is it like... I know that had a shit start, but like it looks fun. Like I've watched so many like people just cannoning themselves into other ships, but like yeah, that'll be one of the first games I get for. for I think we should like let's start a freaking pirate army and like kill some noobs. Yeah, yeah, we can get the uh, Taco Brothers family going. Can you imagine like we come in with like six ships, we're just raiding like these ten year olds, and we're like, fuck you. Sorry, neighbors. Uh, yeah, sorry, listeners. Yeah. Their ears are pretty much. Dead I, I'm at this trying point. to keep the fist between me and the mic, but You're that one I was just job, like, but... I deep throated the mic and screamed. Um, yeah, no, I think that's probably the one that I'm most excited for. Is ever while. So I'm excited more for a different game. But that the, no, somehow they couldn't shoehorn into the main showcase. Honestly, uh, yeah, if I'm talking, if I'm just gonna spit some truth here, 
I think the pre-show outside of like the YouTube mumbo jumbo that was going on, people just talking about their their streaming careers from YouTube. Um, the games they showcased during the pre-show excited me more than the games they showed in the main showcase. Particularly, well, before we even get to the the main game, and then we'll probably call it a wrap on this episode. Maybe give a rating for this this whole conference. Okay. Um, they showed that Dragon Quest XI is coming to Xbox, the same version that we have on Switch, but it's probably going to be the the best version of Dragon Quest XI because obviously it's going to look better, it's going to run faster, mm-hmm. and you have the duty, the, the duty, the duty, the two D um, version of the game that yeah. they they implemented. Into it's the all right. We've been talking for like six hours. Now, I know the like. Switch version. <laughs> yeah. There's another game called Echo Generation, I believe was the name, which kind of melded ideas from Stranger Things in terms of music and just atmosphere and literally the characters you were playing as. But it also had like this earthbound feel as well in terms of an RPG. What really kind of made me check out a little bit was it's like a card-based, turn-based RPG. Yeah. So you have cards to kind of use for your characters to initiate certain attacks or whatever. So that kind of... Maybe like lose chain a, of memories kind of shit. Yeah, except it wasn't like in real time. It was more turn-based. But wow. I'm willing to wait until we see more before I kind of have any rash opinions about it. Um, but the game of the show, Ryan. Balan Wonderworld. One of the most beautiful-looking games I've seen in a really long time. The mastermind of Sega, Yuji Naka, is behind the project, which is why I have... So much hope that this game is going to be just as good as it looked. Yeah. If you're familiar with Nights into Dreams on the Sega Saturn, it kind of, it basically is Nights becomes a 3D platformer. Okay. It blends ideas from what seems like Nights, A Hat in Time, and New Super Lucky's Tale, if you've played that. So what I want to do is play really just the back half of the trailer. Obviously, go out and watch this thing of... Uh, beauty on YouTube if you haven't already Balan Wonderworld but just listen to some of this music even some of the narration and quotes was just like how could you not fit this into your like a name like Yuji Naka yeah that's like dropping Miyamoto or Miyazaki Nabuya Uematsu or something like that and they didn't put this I don't know And and the tone of it is happy it's um positive opposed to like that one trailer where the dude shot a girl on a dock who was like 10 years old. Like Stalker 2. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, no, this is the tone or the, yeah, the positivity that the overall the conference kind of lacked. All right. Prepare yourselves. Buckle Prepare up. Yourselves. This is Balon Wonderworld. Wedding Look into your hearts to discover what's most precious. Balan Wonderworld. 
coming to theaters near you in December 2020. God, it, it really sounded like freaking Frozen. It did, yeah. And like the narrator even sounded like Disney's main voice actor. Someone, it literally felt like I was watching a Pixar yeah. trailer. So, just let it go. <laughs> let it go. I, I can't though, Ryan. I'm just, I'm so frustrated. Um, I... Uh, I hate to just end like on a negative note. We just listened to Balan Wonder note, World. Fable was at the very end. Oh gosh! See, I already forgot. Yeah. Um, oh, you're gonna be like the best game, and then it's like a Fable was introduced for like two seconds. Yeah. So I guess what I'll say about that, uh, you know, earlier in the episode, I said I'm gonna start streaming Fable Two. Um, kind of riding the hype waves of Fable coming back. Obviously, Lionhead Studios is no longer a thing, so Microsoft Game Studios is developing this. I'm sure Peter Molyneux has his hand in developing this game. I think more than anything from this, I just want it to be like Halo in the sense that they go back to the roots of what made Fable so special back in the original Xbox. And I would say even was translated into Fable 2 as well. Fable 3, I think, was really divisive among people, even critics. Like People really just didn't like the direction they took with that. Me personally, I loved it. Not as much as Fable 2, but it was still a great game in my opinion. So if they can capture the charm and wit and British humor of what made Fable so special in this new one, which seems to be kind of a reimagining, a reboot for the series, almost like they didn't title it God of War 4, they just titled it God of War. Yeah. Um, I think if they can do something like that, I'm all for it. Again, I don't want every quote or every positive quote to I say on this episode to say, it was amazing, but this. Yeah, I mean, like... But if I could be a toad and eat fairies for the entire game, I think I'd be happy. Well, that's the thing. I I, I think it's a clever use of like showing the fairy world versus like a generic castle uh, fantasy. And I think we likened it to, you likened it on the stream to the new Skyrim or the new Elder Scrolls. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you're going to have a mic drop moment at the end of your conference, Sony had a couple. They had the Demon Souls when Shuhei Yoshida said... There's one game I'm really excited to show you guys, and you have the Demon Souls classic beginning trailer that blew people's minds. And then at the very end, they typically do in these conferences, they said, we have one more game to show you. And it was a three and a half minute trailer of Horizon 2, The Forbidden West, where you had kind of a combination and blending of both CGI trailers and what seemed to be in-game gameplay of Aloy swimming through um, some underwater Atlantis-like place and through the seaweed and stuff. And so when they said the name of, what is it, Newground Studios or whatever the developer behind Forza Horizon was, we knew it was going to be Fable, especially when they kind of zoomed in on the sword. And I was just... Playground? Playground, thank you. Yeah, Playground Studios. Um, Obviously, I just lit up with excitement and joy. And yes, Fable's coming back. This was one of my pipe dream games. This is the perfect way to end the showcase, showing us more Fable and then before I could even catch my breath in excitement, they were just showing Fable the title, and then they ended it. Yeah, I missed the title screen because I looked away for like two seconds. I'm like, I went to grab like water for a second, and I just I saw the toad get eaten, or the the fairy got eaten by the toad, and then all of a sudden, like, it was off. Um, not the best mic drop. I think the current rumor is, at least from what I was watching, that it could potentially be an MMO. Oh gosh! Which is terrifying. Stop. I mean, but that's that's just a rumor from a video I was watching. I would like to see it be go back to how it originally was to get that experience. But 
Yeah, God, MMOs, they're terrifying. Well, I think looking at this conference, I think if I had to give it a grade, I'd give it like a C, um, and I probably would have given Sony's an A. Uh, but Like a 60? Yeah, ish, like somewhere you, around you there. You passed, but like you're going to have to do remedial English. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think if I could... If, if I was in the developer chair, not the developer chair, but the editing chair saying like, hey, this is how this conference should go, I think they almost should have opened the showcase similar to they did with Spider-Man with the Fable reveal. Fable's coming back, so you get everyone like, all right, popcorn's ready, got my beer, I'm ready to do this because Fable's back, let's see what else they have in store. And then ending with Halo because the whole time we're going to be anticipating when they show an infinite, when they show an infinite. And then when they do, you have this five to six minute it actually was like 10, 12 to 15 minute gameplay trailer and the amazing music that went with it. Because then you end on a note where it's just like, we saw gameplay of Halo, that's what we wanted. And you don't really remember the beginning of the thing where it's just like, I would have wanted to see more Fable, we didn't, that's okay, because you end with 15 minutes of Halo gameplay. Yeah, you run Bala and then do Halo. Ball in. Yeah, yeah, oh my god. Durin's Bane. Because then you have, again, that Yuji Naka name, name that most people recognize. yeah. It just would have been a big deal. So again, I just think that I mean, it was just such a head scratching moment for me. If I mean, that's taking a very similar structure to Sony. I mean, if you really wanted it to be the exact like structure of Sony, you put in Dragon Quest Eleven at the beginning as a old generation game, saying bringing this to the new generation to, I guess, mirror the GTA Five, mm-hmm. and then you go into Fable. Unfortunately, there's no gameplay, even though Spider-Man opened with gameplay. And then you go through these generic, your meat of the performance, and then you have your two mic drops. Yeah. Or I don't know if Ballin is a mic drop, but oh, it's, it's a, like a mic destroying moment. <laughs> threw it into a nuke, and then it blew up and created a sun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like, yeah, I. They could have done better, but maybe the third one's gonna be good. like i don't like i i don't want our first half of our episode to be like positive and talking about ghost which is sony property and then go into like microsoft and be purely like pessimistic yeah there's stuff to be optimistic about unfortunately i'm we're more so reasonable on dissecting this than pure positivity unfortunately which makes life a lot harder because i would much rather be happy about everything but like i think there's aspects of halo that give us at least the potential to be happy if executed correctly Mm -hmm. i mean the game with the two dimensions that was basically stranger things is a horror game that i'm interested or a premise that i'm interested in playing yeah and that's rare for me to be enthusiastic of potentially playing a good horror game because mm-hmm. I generally don't see them as a genre I like. Yeah. Um, as far as a platformer, Square Enix, sign me up. Yeah. Balan Wonderworld. Fable, if it's not an MMO, sign me up. So there are good takeaways. It's Everwild, just Wild, State of Decay Three. I'm willing to give that series a try. It, uh, the Outer Worlds DLC. I, I haven't played the Outer Worlds, so I can't really speak to that. Grounded looks like a fun co-op game to play with friends. Grounded, I've seen gameplay. There was a YouTuber that I was watching that actually was playing through it. It looks amazing. Yeah, so that looks great. Obsidian Entertainment, I love their humor that they infuse in their game. So I have nothing but high hopes for that. Avowed looks like an amazing first-person RPG, similar to something like Skyrim. 
Morrowind, Oblivion. I'm there for that day one. We need to see more to, to have me sold. Hellblade Sinua Saga, why we have not, why there wasn't more gameplay to be shown for that remains to be seen, but I'm still hopeful for that. Um, Psychonauts 2 looks like a trippy adventure. It's just the cinematic trailers are okay if the majority of your conference is gameplay, which is how Sony was. And it's the vice versa is you have ton of cinematics for this com- Microsoft conference and very little gameplay. Yeah. And the main critique for last times, I think there was no gameplay in the last one, but like the main critique coming away from that last Microsoft conference was the fuck was up with no like Valhalla. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they're waiting for their studio to do it on their own stream or Ubisoft. Yeah. Whatever forward. Yeah. Introduces or whatever. But like, they didn't listen to the main critiques of the previous Microsoft showcase, which do what you got to do. But like if the audience is asking for something and I don't know if that's Microsoft's fault or it's the studios that cut their own gameplay or cut their trailers and then said, Hey, here, Microsoft, here's what we can provide you at this time. I don't know if it's be they're held back because of COVID and it could not be, it might not be all Microsoft's fault that they had to, this is what they had to present, but I don't know. It's it's like a manager being responsible for the actions of their subordinates or their employees. There's you a lot have of to, st- stuff we just don't know. I mean, at yeah. the bottom, end of the day, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors at Microsoft, so it's tough for us to have these really poor judgments or ho- however you want to cut it. Um, about the conference. Again, I'll go back to the one word I would use to describe it. I was underwhelmed. I just, I wasn't blown away. Certainly have no reason to buy a Series X. I will be getting a One X because there's so much on the One and the 360 and the Xbox that I want to revisit that I either missed or again, just want to replay. So Yeah, I think it was Nintai in the Discord who was saying um, all the Halos are on his bucket list for 2020 and 2021 yeah just and to I'm revisit like, and play so hell yeah sign yeah. me up for that shit exactly so i'm really curious what other people think again i i'm sure people were fast forwarding most of the episode or just turned it off because ryan and i were really negative um that wasn't our intention we didn't want to come across as playstation fanboys but i think it's important to critique both playstation and microsoft with where they're headed in the future of gaming and that's what we tried to do today by balancing it with the things we're hopeful for and the things that we just really were like what's going on here so more than anything i'm curious what other people think too so please if you're not already in the discord you can do that as i said earlier in the show the link is in the show notes click the discord uh link get in there introduce yourself we'd love to have you and just share your thoughts like where are you at with the future of gaming both from a playstation side of things and an xbox side of things i think there's just a lot more discussion that needs to be had and there's a lot more discussion that they're going to force us to have because i'm sure there's more announcements coming in terms of price of consoles when they're releasing and all that fun stuff yeah i mean i i think path forward or moving forward what i don't even know if they address it with a joke but like they have another conference say so we it's end of july right now august september so say september release date and say like hey back by popular demand gameplay <laughs> and just like you can even dress it with a humor it's like not that we drop the ball but like 
So we heard you guys want gameplay, and it might be a little late, but like at least it's not breaking the fourth wall, but being at least cognizant of the requests or the main complaints. Yeah. And making light of it. I would appreciate that approach to at least have them understand their audience and then showing gameplay and that's all it would take. Like that's, I I think all they have to do. Um, So there is still hope in my mind. Um, I'm not sold on the new console itself. I'm sold on uh, new IPs or new games, but you just have to sell me more. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm buying an Xbox one X regardless of what ends up happening with Series X and the future of Microsoft because I want to play their games and many of their games I can only play on Xbox and I want those experiences. So again, please get in on the Discord. Let us know where you're at coming away from that conference and going into this next generation of games. I think it's just a really exciting conversation to have, uh, but I also want to hear other people's opinions just uh, beyond Ryan and my own. With that said, I don't know yet if we'll be back next week or not. Again, Ryan and I were really tiptoeing around the idea of podcasting twice a month as opposed to four times a month. Obviously, if there's very timely, fresh news right off the presses that we want to discuss, then we'll hop behind the mic and have a a podcast episode. Otherwise, we'll probably be beginning to transition to two times a month. But we'll certainly let everyone know in the Discord. I'll let people know on Twitter and all of those fun places. But... If you do want us to talk about something specifically, you have a topic idea, or you just have questions for us, you can write into the podcast at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Again, Discord is in the link below in the show notes. We've talked about that umpteen times already. I want to go play more Ghost of Tsushima, hopefully check the tail end of Nolan's uh, stream, but as I always do before the end of every episode, Ryan, any parting words for our listeners? Have a good week. Um, Hop into the streams if you can. There's a lot going on on Twitch. Um, Just be safe and don't contract COVID. And stay positive. Stay classy. Wear a mask. (laughs) Wear a mask, fuckers. (laughs) All right. Have a a wonderful week. Really aggressive approach. Have a wonderful week, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye.